Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 217- Two nine five zero seven two three. All right, welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Today's guest is a special guest. He's gone from being a paper boy to becoming an eight-figure business founder, uh, a business a business podcaster. He's the co-host to the uh, Bug Bucks podcast, and he's the founder and CEO of Proof Pest Control. And he's a family man. So, without further ado, welcome Alan Draper to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. No problem. Glad, glad to have you on. So we wanted to start off by telling you or asking you to tell us, you know, your journey from, um, well, j- your journey specifically from the transition you made of like becoming an entrepreneur. Cause we know your, your background in, in law too. So mm-hmm. maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey and, and ultimately like how you got where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You mentioned my newspaper business. I, you know, I, I've had a job ever since I was probably seven or eight years old, um, starting with like shoveling people's sidewalks and, um, you know, raking leaves and doing lawns and delivering newspapers. And, um, and I, I love business books and, uh, I love books about money. And so I got to the point where one of the books that really impacted my life was rich dad, poor dads, um, the cash flow quadrant that, you know, um, his, his books, that one and, um, rich dad, poor dad seem to be like the top books that you hear come from entrepreneurs or even real estate investors. Yeah. And, and, um, I just read cash flow quadrant again. And the funny thing is, is that I read it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. And, back then I was like, okay, these are the things that I need to apply. And this time I read it and I'm like, okay, these are the things that I'm applying, right? These are the things that I'm, I'm doing, but you know, just reading those books, um, I've always been passionate about creating something. And so I don't want to say I got sidetracked by going to law school, but it was definitely a different path. I practiced commercial litigation for a few years and got to the point where I was like, it's time to pull the trigger. So just out of curiosity, was like that path that you had lined out, uh, that law path, was that, was that your choosing or was that kind of pushed on like by your parents or, you know, or, uh, did you just happen to fall in that? It was like, oh man, they make good money. I want to go down that road. And then it, it changed her. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I kind of eased into it. It wasn't like to tell you the truth. So when I was really little, I wanted to be an attorney right? I was watching like all the legal shows on TV and I'm like, oh, dang, they, they live this like amazing life or whatever. And so initially I kind of got interested in it for all the wrong reasons. But then I, after I graduated with my undergrad, um, 
there was this point I was working for a bank and I'm like, dude, I could, I bet I do pretty good on the LSAT, right? Which is the, the entrance exam and the law school entrance, entrance exam. And so I started doing like practice tests and stuff. And I really liked it. It's, it's, it's actually kind of fun. You're basically just solving logic puzzles and stuff. And which is what an I entrepreneur was, does. <laughs> exactly. And so anyway, so I decided to take the LSAT and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to go to law school, but I'm gonna take the LSAT paid a couple hundred bucks, you know, scored in the 90th percentile out of everybody in the country that took it. So then I got a little more serious, ended up going to law school. So I kind of, you know, kind, kind of fell into it in a way, but I definitely use a lot of those skills um, in business. I, I still have an active law license in the state of Arizona, uh, but I don't really practice. I do some pro bono stuff, but the organizational thinking and the logical thinking and the problem solving definitely help. Cool. So um, tell us a little bit about like what pushed you into becoming an entrepreneur. So, I mean, obviously you were going down the law path and there's some similarities there, but what ultimately pushed you, like, how did you end up taking the leap and and, and pursuing, uh, businesses. Yeah. So I actually, after I did my undergrad, before I went to law school, there was a period where my brother and I were going to start a pest control company, 2006, 2007, something like that. And it just didn't work out right. For whatever reason, there were a few different reasons, but it didn't work out. Um, my brother stayed in pest control, very successful company. Um, and, I, when I was practicing law, he had an exit from one of his companies. And so I said, you know, Hey, maybe now's the time. It was about a decade later, eight or nine years later. And so that was what kind of got me thinking about it. But if, you know, I was always going to be an entrepreneur. It, when I started in the, the legal field, it was going to be a law firm that I was going to start, which right. I'm still, I actually just messaged one of my buddies the other day and I'm like, Hey, when are we starting our law firm? Which someday I'm going to own a law firm. Um, but th that was kind of where my head was. But then my brother was kind of positioned to, you know, at a point where we could go the pest control route. And that's what we ultimately decided. So did, did you have any interest in pest control coming out of law school? Or what got you interested in doing pest control? Was it your brother's influence? or? Yeah, definitely. So he, he sold for a company called Safeguard. Um, and some of those owners are still involved in the pest control world. Uh, they had a big exit. Um, what year was that? Was that 2000? I think it was 2006. But um, yeah, so he was involved and he stuck with it, right? So he stayed in the pest control industry. And so he's the one that kind of initially introduced me to it and kind of brought me into it. I went off on the legal, into the legal field for a few years. And that's, but he was still in it. And that's what kind of brought me back into it. And, and I, just for the record, I love the pest control industry. <laughs> there are so many great things about pest control. Um, I love that there's a low barrier to entry. It doesn't, I'm not competing with Elon Musk, right? I don't have to do, develop technology to shoot a rocket in outer space. Um, the, the, it, the people in the industry, very helpful, very cool. Um, it's, it's a very stable industry. It, it has this unique um, combination of, of characteristics, right? It's a very stable industry, but there's also crazy growth potential. And those two things are very hard to find in the same industry. Um, you know, it's, um, 
there's recurring revenue. That's, that's, that's a, a great thing about it. There's a lot of tech coming into the pest control industry right now. So anyway, um, it was very stable and actually it grew. It expanded during COVID. Um, and so that's I cause everybody, everybody control. was at home and they were seeing bugs cause they exactly. were at home. <laughs> it was kind of the home Depot effect. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, but, so, in, but anyway, like, so pest control, I fell into it, but I love it. I love pest control. So to back up just a little bit, where did, so did you come straight out of school? Like, I guess from your high school to college, did you have a job in between there where you were working for anybody uh, that was doing law firm or how did that, how did you transition from school into doing law? Yeah, no, I, I just, I never worked for a law firm. I kind of was doing some research in the background um, to find out what it was about a, a little bit, but no, I ha I've had all sorts of jobs, but you know, I never worked for a law firm and, um, I mean, prior to going to law school. So it was just kind of on my radar and, you know, I, I like school. I, I perform well, I get good grades, obviously, like it's tough to get into law school and get past it if you don't, but, um, I, I if I could be paid to be a student, that would be tough because I'm so interested in learning. And, you know, when I was doing my undergrad, I went to BYU and um, I kept adding minors. I ended up getting a minor in chemistry, a minor in philosophy, a minor in Spanish. And one day my guidance counselor uh, called me in and uh, said, hey, dude, you got to get out. You have to graduate. You're taking somebody's spot because I would have just kept kept going. So. Um, so you really yeah, have a, just, a love and a desire for learning. Yeah. And it's the same with being an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur is like, that's the ultimate classroom, man. That is the old. And the, it's so cool. And I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship and building businesses because not only am I learning stuff, like I, I just launched a digital marketing agency and I know a lot about business. I don't know a ton about digital marketing, but I'm learning. The cool thing about it though, is when I was a student, the money was going to the, you know, the university. Now the money's coming the other direction. So that's a right. nice, right. nice so, little perk. <laughs> so when you were getting out of law school, can you kind of tell us about the transition from law into doing pest control and how you kind of got your feet on the ground and going? That was interesting, man. That was an interesting transition because I practice litigation. So think about it, guys. I, and I practice commercial litigation. So I, what I did is I was involved in lawsuits where um, businesses were suing each other or something went wrong in a business. Those are the only cases that I saw. Something had gone wrong. I practiced litigation. So it was always some type of lawsuit or some lawsuit threat. And so in my mind, I'm like, geez, like all these businesses, it's just a disaster, right? Brothers yeah. fighting, business partners fighting, you know, vendors, whatever. And so that was... And entrepreneurs have to be optimists. Yeah, I was right? say that's be... a lot of negativity just from you seeing all that. Exactly. It's the opposite of how an entrepreneur views things. And entrepreneurs are overly optimistic and they have to be. <laughs> I always tell people, I'm glad that I, I didn't understand about that transition, that I didn't understand what it was going to be like being an entrepreneur for the first time. Because I think that if I understood it all, if I wasn't naive, I might not have done it. Right. 100%. And and yet I'm still naive. I'm still pushing myself into new industries. I had somebody on one of my podcasts. I don't know if it was before we were recording, but 
you know, six months ago or eight months ago, I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a digital marketing agency. And he's like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, you telling me not to do it is actually encouraging me encouraging. to do it more. <laughs> and, and here we are. That, that's funny. I think that's actually a common trait amongst uh, entrepreneurs that become successful is when they're faced with, uh, I don't know if I want to say naysayers, but people that tell them not to do something, yeah. it almost like motivates you to like, no, I'll show you. I can make <laughs> it happen. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And, and for me, I, I have motivations that are much, um, for me, much more meaningful and much deeper than, you know, some, you know, a teacher that told me I wasn't going to amount to anything, you know, j- just for the haters. That's not, that's not why I do stuff, but it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't right. hurt at all. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just talking with, um, a family member the other day and, um, that's wanting to start a business. And, uh, mm-hmm. he actually, uh, I told him I was going to be meeting with you and we were going to be asking a question. He actually wanted me to ask you a specific question. Cause yeah. I was like, it's not very often you get a very, uh, successful entrepreneur on your podcast. So, um, he, this is what he wanted me to ask you is what, mm-hmm. or how would you suggest someone, um, someone do, or what would, what would they need to do to get in the mindset to become a successful entrepreneur? Cause I think it takes a special breed of person to, mm. to become an entrepreneur or a business owner. You know, that's a hell of a question. And I'm, I'm writing a book about the startup phase and that's my specialty is, and that's what I'm super passionate about is, you know, helping people that are, you know, within six months of starting a business up until about two years after And, um, there's a lot of things that I can help with. Um, I can help with organizing funds. I can help with, um, developing some type of marketing plan. I can help with, um, personnel and putting pieces together. I can help with business ideas and all these things, obviously all the legal aspects or most of them, but man, I don't know. And I'm pretty good with motivation, but dude, I don't know how to help somebody get in the right frame of mind. There are, there are there are born entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I am one of them. There are people that will never be entrepreneurs and should never be entrepreneurs. And then there's quite a few people that are kind of in that gray area. Yeah. And so I think the first thing that, you know, to answer your brother's question, I I think one of the first things that I would do, one of the first exercises is I would say, find out what your motivations are. Think about where you want to be in five, 10 years down the road and then work backward and see if it's entrepreneurship that gets you there. You, you know, to start thinking like an entrepreneur, I don't know how to not think like an entrepreneur. I, I'll, I'll be going to the gym and I'll, I'll see a sign or something and I'll think of a business idea. Yeah. I'll think of like, <laughs> my that, problem is staying focused on one thing yes. long enough to get it. I was just about rolling. to bring that up is how, that's, I think the problem. Cause I've, I've struggled with that too, where it's like new shiny object. How do you stay exactly. focused on, on, on the goals? I mean, him and I come up with ideas all the time Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, we could, we could start 50 different businesses, but how do you yep. stay focused on, on what you got going on? Yeah. So here's, here's what I do. Um, and I wrote a blog article about this because it's so common and I have so many people I have, you know, anywhere between five and 10 people approach me about five minutes before we, uh, started recording. I had somebody text me and ask me to, to run some ideas by me, but five to 10 a week, um, different at different levels, entrepreneurs will come to me and they'll, and, and they'll approach me with their ideas. And one time I had somebody come to me and he had a notebook. I'm not kidding. Sat, sat in front of me at my, at my desk. 
And he's like, Hey, Alan, uh, the reason why I want to chat is I, I have all these business ideas and I want you to point me in the right direction. I'm like, your that notebook is full of business ideas. And he's like, yeah. And he had some really good ones in there. He had some crap, he had some crappy ones. And so I kind of helped him with what I thought, but, but the, the most important thing that I, that I said that day, whether he took it to heart or not was the idea doesn't matter. You pick one of those and you give a hundred percent of your soul to it for several years. You, you can keep thinking of other ideas, those shiny objects that you see, write them down and put them away. But for three, four, five years, all you focus is on is one idea. One problem entrepreneurs have is we're like, and I've done this. Hey, this is a good idea. Oh, this is a better idea. Oh, this is a better idea. Oh, this is a better idea. <laughs> That's what, and, and that leads to failure. And so it doesn't matter what the business idea is, but I'm in a different phase in my life. I own, I own 23 businesses. I'm at a point where I don't have to work. Okay. I don't, I don't have to go into work. I have, I have people that run my companies for me and scale them. I, I feel like I had some value, right? I don't want to make you think I'm completely meaningless to the companies, but I'm in a phase now because I, I do have some companies that got off the ground and are successful. Now I do have the time to chase the shiny objects. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that the people that you've kind of surrounded yourself with has maybe put you in that mindset to build all these other businesses? hundred percent. I was just talking about that with a couple of my partners. Right. I, um, I, I have 13 business partners with, you know, f- f- through my different companies, my brother, Brent, I own most of my companies with him. And then, you know, there's some companies with other people, but I just told one of my business partners, I'm like, dude, I, I am not where I am today without my business partners. There's no way. And there's some people, business partners aren't for everybody. Marriage isn't for everybody. And those two things are very similar, right? Being a business partner means um, you're going to wake up every single morning and you're going to say two things. I'm going to work on my business and I'm going to work on my partnership because it's not all rainbows and sunshine. The honeymoon ends and the honeymoon is not where you make money. It's, It's 10 years down the road when stuff really starts to pay off, five years down the road. And I, I highly recommend partner that people partner up and because of so many different reasons, there's so many benefits, but there are some people, you know, that that's a personal choice. I don't tell people to partner up. That's something they have to do for themselves, but it's something that you control. Right. Jake and I were just talking about partnership earlier and how, if it's, uh, if both people have the same goals and, uh, you know, the same mentality, I think a partnership can be mutually beneficial and far greater than, you know, just running a business on your own. There, there's no question. There's this element of there's somebody that's there to, to shoulder the burden with you. Accountability. There's, there's, that's the thing I was telling, I had, I had a meeting about an hour ago and I was telling my business partner, I'm like, Hey, this is my business too, man. This isn't just your business. This is mine too. I care. I care as much as you do. Like this is, we're in this together, man. Like, and, and that when you have a business partner, Sometimes you think, hey, I care more than they do, right? It's very, because I work more, right? Everyone thinks they contribute more than the other person, <laughs> but it's very common, right? But but when you get some experience under your belt, you realize, dang, that guy, 
he cares. We may disagree about how to get to the, the end goal, mm-hmm. but there's no disagreement about what the actual end goal should be. Right. And so if you view that, if you view your partnership through that lens, it just makes things a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. That's the, that's the other thing I would like to talk about a little bit. And, and entrepreneurship is not an easy thing. There's good, there's bad, there's uglies to it. Maybe you could share with us like some of the most rewarding parts to you about being an entrepreneur and maybe even some of the, the challenges that come with it and maybe even how you overcame those challenges. Yeah. So, I mean, we got another two hours just to answer those questions, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no businesses. Um, I, I feel like I've done some hard things in my life. Um, you know, every, everybody has, right. I, I lived in South America for a couple of years. Um, that was difficult. Marriage is difficult. I have the best wife in the world, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Marriage is difficult. Having kids is difficult, but being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things that anyone will ever do. It, it just is. And it's hard for a whole bunch of different reasons. It's hard because, you know, people think you're greedy. It's hard because people think you're taking advantage of them. It's hard because you'll have employees quit on your busiest day of the year on the one day when you really, really need them. It's hard because you, you never seem to have enough money. It's hard because when you finally start to make money, the IRS just pounds you into oblivion. Um, it's hard because there's economic factors and there's things in the industry and there's, you know, recessions and um, there's COVID, right? There's, there's so, there's so much about it that makes it difficult. But I think one of the most rewarding things about being an entrepreneur is this uh, concept of creation. I think it's very cool that me, my partners and our teams have built things that if one day we didn't decide to start a business would not exist. We've created jobs. We've added to um, the economy of the United States and other countries, right? I have uh, businesses that sell overseas. Um, and so the creation aspect is, yeah. is huge. That's honestly, so my favorite part about being an entrepreneur entrepreneur or a business owner is uh, I think I've had the most personal growth from owning a business than I have from doing anything. And uh, I love that because I've grown so much and it's, and it, and it doesn't stop. It's like a continual growth. Yeah. I was talking to uh, um, my, my cousin about that. Cause he's about to start a, uh, you know, a, a business. And I said, man, it is the best thing that you could do personally, as far as, as growth goes, in my opinion. No, that's dude. That's, uh, that's another huge advantage. And I'm always trying to make myself uncomfortable. I think that's where, where our growth is. It's super cliche to say, but it doesn't make it not true. Yeah. So, true. and your business and your leadership will never exceed current level of your personal development. You can never be, um, reach the status of a business owner or an entrepreneur that is above the current level of your personal progress. Yeah. And so in order to in, in order to be a be- better entrepreneur, um, to scale your businesses, to surround yourself with better people, you have to improve first. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm a big fan of uh, routines, especially morning routines. I think yeah. they're, they're crucial. What is, what is some of the bi- biggest mistakes you see uh, young entrepreneurs or business owners make? 
And, and what do you think they can do to, to fix that mistake or overcome or press through? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest issues that early entrepreneurs make, um, to, I'm going to say two, there's a whole bunch. And I, the reason why I know is because I made them, I continue <laughs> to make them. Number one is that they um, don't allow people to help them. They start the business and they think only I can do this task at this level. And it's probably true, but it's really tough to scale a business. So um, they have to let go of control and they have to surround themselves with talented people that can help them carry out their vision. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be like the e-myth. They're going to be the ones in there baking the cupcakes or whatever, mm -hmm. as opposed to building the business. So I think that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is they think that they can accomplish more in a shorter period of time than they actually can, like a year. And they think that they, they, they limit themselves on what they can accomplish in longer periods of time. So they expect more of themselves than they should out for one, you know, in a one year period of time. And they expect less than they should out of themselves in a five, 10 year period of time. Dude, I fight that all the time. I've, I've got a fairly new business and ha, I can't tell you how many times I've bounced ideas off Jake and I just don't feel like I'm where I need to be. In all reality, I've been in business for seven or eight months and, uh, it's, I just, it's very tough. To yeah. Very very insignificant amount of time in the yeah. big scheme of things. And so, and I, and I got that from Tony Robbins, right? He says people can accomplish much more than they think they can in five years, but much less than they think they can in one. Yeah. Andrew, Andy Frisella talks a lot. I don't know if you ever listened to him, but he talks about that quite a bit and, and how entrepreneurs, they give up before they even hit the like 10 year mark, like when they yeah. really start getting some traction and stuff. So, um, you know, what's crazy. And I just, I just had a video about this on my Instagram. I, um, because I, I put content out there that nobody watches. I swear. Like I'll do a live video and I don't have a single like person <laughs> watching it. And you, there are certain, the most valuable things you do in your life uh, have very little traction for the first few years. Those mm -hmm. are the most valuable things. The things that you don't get immediate feedback and results from, those are the most valuable things. The problem is, that people give up too soon. Yep. So if you're trying to build a brand or you're trying to build a profitable company or you're trying to become a great leader, those things take years. And it looks like at times you're actually getting worse, yeah. right? You're, you have a month and you're like, man, my cancellation rate was like through the roof. But if you zoom out and you're looking at this kind of proverbial graph, not over a period of one month or one year, but you're looking at it over five, you'll notice that those dips and valleys, th those disappear and it's a more linear growth uh, model. But that's the thing that's most important is the, the skills and the attributes and the things in this world. I believe that there are laws that govern this world um, in terms of money, business, finance, just like there are physical laws like um, gravity, right? Right. But people don't learn those laws. If I go to my roof and I drop a pen off, everybody knows what's going to happen. But, but we don't attribute those same things to business and money. And, and that's just, that that's just wrong. But one of those, one of those laws is, um, that the great things, the things that really move the needle in the long term, rarely move it in the short term. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to hit this question right quick. How do you, when you're posting content, like the videos you're posting and mm -hmm. you're not having any views, like you said, if you don't have any views. How do you get your mind to click to keep 
saying I need to post another video. I need to post another video. Cause like you said, uh, entrepreneurs lose, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose, lose sight of where you're going when there's something else that pops out that you're like, Ooh, I could, you know, maybe try that. What keeps your mind going on those videos? Yeah, for me, it's pulling myself back into my motivations and my why I, I don't make them. I don't make those videos for a bunch of views. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to progress. I'm doing it to, um, to find one person, um, to help. And you know, what's funny is I, I had this moment like that I just said, where I was making this video, I didn't have any viewers and talking, right. It's a live video and I'm talking about setting goals and right in the middle of it, I have this thought and I'm still talking. I have this thought like, Hey, I, nobody's watching. Like I can see, right. Nobody's watching. And why am I doing this? I have this thought while I'm still talking about goals, fast forward two weeks. I had this guy reach out to me. He's like, Hey, I saw that video you were, uh, um, that you made about goals. I'm like, you saw that dude. He's like, yeah, I watched it. It was, I didn't watch it live, but I watched it after. And it made an impression on me. And I was like, that's why I did it. Right. Yeah. You know, what you're talking about too, is like these laws, uh, that you're talking about that, the, the world or the galaxy operates by mm -hmm. I, it, this is why we branded our podcast as the growth circle podcast is because yeah. you know, we believe that if you're consistently doing those small things, even though you might not see it move the needle, like you said, at some point, if you stay consistent enough, mm -hmm. it's going to hit that growth curve and you're going to see a yep. huge, huge growth. Um, yep. and, and I, that's what we're all about is we're all about a community of people trying to learn and grow. And that's why we started this podcast so that we hopefully can add value to people that want to learn and grow. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. You know, you, you spend, you spend the years just, just kind of, and a lot of what you get from that, that dedication, the consistency, it's just how it changes you. Yeah. Not, not the results that you get from it. Cause you definitely will get results. You will, you will get better. You will, you know, get your audience. You will sell your product. You will start your business. You will do those things if you refuse to give up. But I think the biggest thing that you get out of it is, hey, man, I can do something for several years and not quit regardless yeah. of the results. Heck yeah, man. So, uh, Alan, how do you measure success and what does the future look like for Alan Draper? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, I, you know, as, as people develop, there's kind of this, there's kind of this chain of events that happens, especially, um, financially. Right. So I'm, I'm going to try to remember, but, you know, step one is, um, and I always, I, I, I read this one day and this concept hit me, like it, it's kind of like a Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. He taught, I don't know if you guys have heard about that, yep, but yep. he basically talks about like how, you know, if there's an animal that doesn't have food or shelter, they're not going to be worried about, or human beings, right? I think it's in the context of human beings, but he studied monkeys to de develop it. But if a human being doesn't have food or shelter or can't breathe, doesn't have oxygen, they're not worried about, you know, impact. what kind of car they drive, right. right? Or impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I heard about this, there's this hierarchy of needs, right? That's how I framed it. Um, with business and, and finance, like your, uh, with your money and, and number one is survival, right? You can't, if you don't have enough money to pay the rent, you're not focused on things that are 10 years down the road, right? Survival number one. Um, uh, I think status is number two. 
like how people view you? Do they view me as wealthy? Uh, number three is freedom. Like, you know, I can do whatever I want with my time. These are the things that we're trying to, to, to attain. One, we're trying to survive. Two, we're trying to attain status. Three, we're trying to uh, obtain, attain freedom. And four is legacy, right? Yeah. So after, after freedom, after it's like, hey, I don't have to work anymore, what's next? It's just this natural progression. For me, um, I'm, I'm kind of starting to think about my legacy. I'm, I'm, I, I'm starting to think about what is going to be said about me and what, what do I leave when, when I am no longer on this planet. Right. Um, and a lot of that impact is going to be through my family. It really is. It's going to be through my kids. I have three young kids, three, seven, and nine. Um, so that's a really big focus for me, but um, I'm, I'm building businesses, man. I'm going to be building businesses until I die. That's one of the reasons I was put on this planet. And, um, you know, I'm looking for startups. I, I get pitched about three to five times a week. Um, you know, I'm starting to syndicate some deals, raising some money, starting to put deals together for these startups that I'm, you know, that I get pitched. And, and so that's kind of, uh, what's next for me. And, um, you know, still building the companies that, that I personally started, but also helping people that are, you know, wanting to start their own thing and, and looking for some help. Cool. So, so I know you have, uh, several businesses. Um, mm -hmm. what do you have in mind for like, what do you have for like five-year goals and 10-year goals for as a broad? I mean, it would, you, I'm sure you have a bunch of goals for all your businesses, but as mm -hmm. a broad, what do you have in, in mind for your goals for like five, 10 years, one year? Yeah. So, so, um, top level goals professionally, um, in 10 years, I want to own at least 50 companies that do at least $1 million each, uh, in revenue. But, you know, I'm at, I've got, uh, you know, almost 10 of those right now. Um, in five years, I want to help 15 of my partners become millionaires. I'm at number four. Um, I'll probably hit five or six in the next, uh, year, next year. That's awesome. And, you know, I have some net worth goals, um, that, that I'm focused on, but those are kind of my top level goals, uh, for the next five or 10 years, just professionally and financially speaking. That's awesome, awesome man. Alan, I got a kind of a tough and personal question to ask you. And if you don't sure. want to answer it, that's fine. But what, uh, what, or how do you want to be remembered? Uh, we were just talking about legacy and I'm just curious if yeah. there's like when a principle that comes to mind that you want to be like, yeah, I want to be remembered by that. Yeah. So I set goals in seven different areas of my life. Um, I feel like if you, um, I don't believe in living a balanced life. Um, there was a book, uh, Rory Vaden wrote a book, um, procrastinate on purpose. And he introduced this concept of embracing. He always says, embrace the focused imbalance. Uh -huh. And what he meant by that is, um, you, for short periods of time, you hyper-focus on certain areas of your life. I'm writing a book right now. When I'm writing my book, I am not focused on my children. I'm not trying to live a balanced life, right? right. It's not 15 minutes on my children, 15 minutes on my book, 15 minutes at the gym. That's not how it works. I'm not going to lie. That balanced life stuff is bull crap, I think too. So I'm glad you're saying this. <laughs> to be hyper-successful, to, to achieve uncommon things, um, you don't do it living a balanced life going, right. but going back to what I was saying, 
with that in mind, I still believe, I, I believe balanced is viewed over your lifetime. Right. I don't believe yeah. that balance is viewed 40 hours a week. Right. What did you do with the 40 hours? That's not, that's not how I believe balance is obtained. Um, but I have seven different categories and, um, I believe true success is when you have success in across all categories, there's very few people there's, there's no one that I would trade places with. And the reason why is because I value these seven different, different things. And you ask what, what do I want to have said about me? Or what do I want people to remember about me? So the, I will have seven, I would have seven different answers depending uh-huh. on what we're talking about. I'm assuming right. you're talking about professionally. Yeah. Um, I want people to, to, to think or remember that, that when all of us have the opportunity to destroy or create chaos. That's the natural state of things. Mm-hmm. Things get dirty. Things break down. Things fall apart. Destruction is natural. It, in this world, that's just what happens over time. Buildings get old. They crumble. Weather, all those things. In 2020, and even this year, we've seen a lot of destruction. We've seen people rioting and doing all these things, and that's easy to do. Destroying things is easy to do. Bringing people down is easy to do. What I want people to remember about me is that I helped build. I helped create companies and I helped build people. Dude, you gave me the goosebumps, man. That's pretty powerful. I can just tell you, feel it, man. I got the goosebumps. So that's that's, that's awesome. Mission accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go into the the last section of our our podcast where we asked our final three questions. Um, and then, uh, we'll share a little bit about where people can find out more about you. Welcome to the final three. Yeah, man. Sure. What's the, uh, what's the most recent book that you read and what did you learn from it? So I just finished and I usually read several books at a time, but I, every year, um, at the end of November or uh, early December, I read a book called Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. Um, it's a book uh, that talk, he, he goes and visits his professor that's dying. Every Tuesday he goes, his professor's first name is Maury. Every Tuesday he goes and visits him. He's dying. He has ALS and asthma. And um, this time of year, I'm always focused on my goals for the next year. I'm kind of reviewing the year and focusing on my goals for the next year. And that book, I read it every single year. It helps me. It's a quick read. It's 200 pages. You can read it in a day. Um, it helps me put things in context so that I'm not thinking about survival. I'm not thinking about status. I'm not thinking about freedom. I'm thinking about legacy. Legacy. Right. That's awesome. We'll have to check that one out. Uh, second question is, uh, what is one principle you strive to live your life by? Um, man, that's, that's a tough one because there's, there's several that, that I try to live my life by and, um, I fall short in a lot of them, but I think it's, it's this concept of, um, you know, being uncomfortable. One of those laws that governs this, this earth is that true growth comes when you're uncomfortable. And so that's one principle that, that I try to embrace is, 
Um, if I feel like I'm on cruise control, everything's, everything's fine. I'm not pushing myself, whether it's financially, physically, mentally, you know, with my family, spiritually, if I feel super comfortable, I try to get, get out of that phase as soon as possible. Uh, the third question is what is one of the greatest pieces of advice you've been given? Man, I've been given some good advice over the years. I, I read a lot. Um, I, I don't have, you know, that proverbial mentor, a uh, proverbial mentor that kind of said that one thing that, right. that, you know, changed my life. But, you know, I, I think just, you know, going back to the cash flow quadrant, that book, he talks a lot about the different streams of income. You, you can work for somebody else. You can have your own small business where you, you know, you do the work, you can be uh, an entrepreneur that has a business that has lots of people and you leverage uh, that business, or you could be, uh, an investor. So that's the quadrant, those four things. Um, but I think the piece of advice in that book is you got to live on the right side of the quadrant, right? Which is the, um, you have a business that has employees or you invest your money. And so financially speaking, um, you got to put your money to work for you. And that has been some of the best advice I've ever received. And I've found it in a book. So Alan, where can people find out more about you? I know you do some mentoring programs, but how can people reach yeah. out to you, find out more about you, or even ask you some questions? Yeah, for sure. So I have a website, alandraper.com. There's a link there to schedule an appointment to give, give me a call and see how I can help you. Um, I'm super active on social media, especially Instagram, uh, uh, Alan R. Draper. But uh, yeah, my website, my Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy guy, easy guy to find, but um, have a couple of podcasts, uh, podcasts, the business growth pod. Um, and then I also have a podcast called, uh, the bug bucks podcast. So mo moving a few things around, at least I'm trying to. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll drop links in the description so people can, can awesome. just click on those and find you that way. Awesome, man, dude. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. It was nice interviewing you and sounds like you have a pretty awesome story and a lot of good things going for you. So we'll have to probably have you back on in the future because Dude, I have a feeling you're going to blow it up. Yeah. Hey, anytime, guys. This was a real pleasure. And uh, I love talking about this stuff. As you guys can tell, I'm passionate about it. Absolutely. And uh, it's just a privilege to be with you guys today. Thank you for listening to the Growth Circle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, connect with Jake and John on Instagram at Jake Engledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.